Welcome to the ministry of Bishop Emmanuel Intefo of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. Bishop Intefo is a medical doctor and senior pastor of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. A seasoned and anointed preacher and teacher of the Word of God, followed with various miracles, signs and wonders. His in-depth teaching of the Word of God will change your life forever. Now, here's today's message. Hallelujah. Amen. I'll be speaking on the topic, Supernatural Church Growth. Supernatural Church Growth. Amen. Turn with me in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 6. I have planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Amen. Hallelujah. That word increase is from the Greek Ozano. A-U-X- a-N-O. Ozano. And it means to grow. It means to enlarge. To grow up. To give the increase. It also means to cause to grow. It means become greater. Amen. So in this scripture, Paul is saying that he as the pastor plants. Planting talks about the seeds. Is that not so? Planting the seeds. Planting the word. Teaching. Preaching. Apollos watered. Alright? More teaching. Exhortation. More explanation. Is that not so? Encouraging. Dressing what has been planted. And the aim is to cause what has been planted to grow and become big. But Paul is explaining that that aspect that aspect of growth, increase. It is God that does it. What this means is that you and I cannot grow what we plant. We can't increase it. We can't enlarge it. It is God. The enlargement, the growth, the proliferation, the increase, the one that is behind that is God. And that is why I am talking about supernatural church growth. Because there are different forms of church growth. There's regular church growth. Regular. I mean, we start a church of five people. As we go on, two people come, they add. Three people come. Gradually, gradually, over a long time, there is some growth. That's a regular growth. There's even biological growth. As the church just lasts longer, People get married. Is that not so? They have children. And the children add to it. So there's also biological growth. Amen? Sometimes there is 
sheep theft growth where a pastor goes to steal the sheep of another church to add to his church and suddenly his church is big or an orangu assistant pastor breaks the church do you see and takes almost everybody changes the name of the church and on the first Sunday he has a lot of people all right but at this session I'm talking about growth that is motivated growth that is engineered growth that is brought about by God Almighty himself supernatural church growth now the first thing I want us to understand is that God wants our churches to grow God wants our churches to grow amen now why do I say that for example God himself asks us he says to us to ask him to give us the growth which means that he's willing to give to us in Psalm 2 and verse Verse 8 said, ask of me and I'll give you the hidden for thy inheritance and the utmost part of the earth for thy possession. Ask of me and I'll give you the hidden. The hidden refers to the unbelievers. And he says, ask and I'll give them to you eh, for you to possess them. Amen? Are you getting that? As a matter of fact, he says that we have not yet even asked him to give us growth. Even though he's waiting to give us growth. So in Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 37, God says, For I will yet of this be inquired by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will multiply them with men as a flock. Are you getting that? Now look at the scripture carefully. He said, That said the Lord God, I will yet, I will yet. I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. Which means that he has been waiting. So, so the church has been asking for financial blessings, breakthroughs, you know, and other things. Alright? But God said, I've been waiting for the church to ask for increase so that I'll give it to them. But we have not asked. Are you getting that? This shows me that God himself wants our churches to grow. I will increase them with men like a flock. Now once again you can see that the increase is coming from God. He said I will increase them. And when you go down, he says he's describing the increase. He said as the holy flock, as the flock of Jerusalem in her solemn feast. God is saying, I want to increase them just as increase comes to Jerusalem during the solemn feast. You see, during the solemn feast, the feast of Israel, everybody is supposed to gather in Israel. So you have multitudes of people coming from Jerusalem, from Judea, from Samaria, from Galilee. And the whole city is full of people. So that's what God is saying. He's comparing the type of increase that he wants you to ask. Do you see? And he's saying that as a flock, as a holy flock, as a flock of Jerusalem in his solemn feast, so shall the way cities be filled with flocks of men. The way cities talks about 
the empty chairs in your, in your church. How many of you have empty chairs? One of the things that pastors don't like to see are empty chairs. And yet, they stare at us all the time. Empty chairs and empty alleys. If the people are a lot, who have a lot of alleys? Who have a lot of space on the stage? Are you getting it? And God says, if only we are going to ask him, he's waiting for us to ask him, he would multiply us with men so that the waste cities will be filled. The empty chairs will be filled with flocks of men and they shall know that I am the Lord. So God wants our churches to grow. You see, I am taking my time to emphasize this point because the first step to church growth is a desire. It's a desire. A vision. You can only become what you see. And for as long as you cannot envisage, you don't have a vision, a desire for a large church, it will not happen. You, you don't make your visions. Your visions make you. Your visions, your desires make you to become into something. So it is important for us to know that God wants our churches to grow into large churches. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, the Bible says that the Lord is not slack as some say that he's slack. Or rather he's patient towards us. Not willing, the second part of the verse, that any should perish but that all will come to repentance. Now, God does not want men to perish but that they will come to repentance. And he wants but that all, take note, but that all, all men should come to repentance. Now, how many of you agree with me that if all men in Kumasi were to come to repentance, we will not have spaces in our churches to accommodate them. We will not have spaces. Are you getting that? But that is the desire of God. The desire of God is that all men, all men, will come to repentance. Yeah. So, pastors, you must understand this. So, when you sit in your church for a long time and only few people are there, don't accept it. Don't accept it as the will of God. As a matter of fact, our divinely expected quota in our churches is at least one fourth of the population in your village or your town or your city. In the parable of the sower, four seeds were sown. One fourth of it became fruitful. So out of every four seeds that we sow, at least one fourth of it might become fruitful. It means that in your city, at least one fourth of the population must find themselves in the kingdom of God. Take any city at all. So if you take Kumasi, what's the population of Kumasi? What's the population of Kumasi? Will we have two million people here? Four million? Ah, are you sure? I wonder. But if we say four million, then at least one million people 
should be in the kingdom of God. One million people should be sitting in our churches. Do we have one million people sitting in our churches on Sundays? No. Do you see? And yet, that is the desire of God. That our churches will be full. I see God letting that happen in your church. Can I have an amen? Amen. Are you getting that? It's very, very important for us to understand that. Amen. And when the church began, when the church began, you realize that God swept multitudes into the kingdom. The early church experienced supernatural growth. Amen? Amen. From 11 people, because Judas was gone, from 11 people who stood on Mount Olivet with Jesus when he ascended, to 120 people who gathered in the upper room. Acts chapter 1 verse 15. The church dramatically grew on the, on the first day of the appearance of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people were added to the church. 3,000 people were added to the church. Acts chapter 2 verse 41. Two chapters later, Acts chapter 4 and verse 4, another 5,000 people were added to the church. Then now, the scriptures begin now to talk about multitudes. Acts chapter 5 verse 12. Acts chapter 6 verse 1. The scriptures now begin to talk about multitudes from 11 disciples multitudes this is what I'm talking about supernatural growth this is not biological growth regular growth do you get it? but this is supernatural growth and the early church experienced supernatural growth growth that was orchestrated motivated engineered by God himself. And I have good news for you. God has not changed his mind. Up until now, his desire is that you experience supernatural growth. Give the Lord a wonderful clap of him. Amen? Now, how did it happen? Why did it happen? Why did they experience supernatural growth and how can we also experience that same growth because you see supernatural growth is still being experienced today hallelujah there are men of today that God has used to build mega churches Bishop Dark started his church with a few people with a few people This church now has experienced supernatural growth both in terms of numerical growth and expansion. We have seen it before our eyes. And I remember in the early 90s when we started calling Lighthouse the mega church. There were people who were not happy. There were people who were not happy and thought we were being presumptuous. But you see, it was a confession. It was a confession. It was a desire. 
it was something that we wanted to see. And truly, God has made a church into a mega church. Bishop Oedipo's church has experienced supernatural growth. Wow. On Sundays, his church sits, is it 50,000? 50, it is full, and I think they have started another service. They're outside. The bishop, who is coming here? This one. Bishop Musa. If you want to see a mega church, a church of human beings, You see, two years ago, I was privileged to accompany the bishop to his church. And on Saturday, we asked the assistant pastor, so how many people are you expecting tomorrow in church? How many people? They said, oh, um, at least 10,000. Yeah. At least 10,000. I think the first service is 3,000. Second service is 7,000. The children... If my mind is not deceiving me, the children at that time were about 3,000. The children. He has a, a church hall like this. It's packed. They have adjoining buildings. They are packed. He has a mini uh, sports complex. It's packed. You know, I mean, as the service was going on, we left and then we we're going around to go and see. Yeah. Dr. Cho. In 1958, he started his church of five people in a dilapidated uh, American army tent. And the Lord has used him to build the largest church of 800,000 people. So what I'm trying to say is that it's not as if that church growth ended of the apostles. But in our time, God is still raising up large churches. We need large churches. Why? Because there are so many people in the world who are dying and going to hell. How many of you know that? And is the church not the place where they'll be saved and kept until Christ comes? So why wouldn't God want the churches to be big? So supernatural church growth is still going on and we can experience it. And I pray for you that in this four days, something will happen to you. May something happen to you in these four days. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. But how did it happen? There are many factors. But today and tomorrow, I'm believing God to share with you on two of those factors. The first one is the influence and the involvement of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The influence of the Holy Spirit is what brought about supernatural church growth and what can bring about supernatural church growth in your church. How many of you want to experience supernatural church growth? Supernatural. Hey. Not natural growth, but supernatural. From 11 people, 120, 3,000, 5,000, multitudes. 
That's what they experience. May it happen to you. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. Were multiplied. Now let me read the contemporary English version of this verse. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. The Bible says the church in Judea Galilee and Samaria had a time of peace of peace and kept on worshipping the Lord. The church became stronger listen to this as the Holy Spirit encouraged it and helped it grow and helped it grow. So it was the Holy Spirit that helped the churches to grow. Amen? Why is it so? Why is it so? I want you to listen carefully. It is so because the Holy Spirit, listen to this, the Holy Spirit is the Lord of the harvest. Now, in Matthew chapter 9, from verse 36, the Bible said that when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion upon them, for they fainted and they were scattered as sheep without shepherds. Verse 37. Then said he to his disciples, The harvest indeed is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Then in verse 38, he said, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. Take note. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send for laborers into, into his harvest. Two things. The Lord of the harvest and his harvest. So, when we talk about the harvest, what are we talking about? We are talking about reaping, dying humanity into the kingdom. Salvation of unbelievers into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, Jesus is the one who is speaking. According to Jesus, the one who is in charge of the job to bring in sinners into the kingdom, the commander in chief, the chief overseer, the chief operating manager, the chairman of the board of directors of Jesus' command to bring in the loss is the Holy Spirit. And tonight, I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. You see, because, because it is the lack of understanding of the role of the Holy Spirit. That is why you and I, we are struggling in the ministry. We are struggling in the ministry because we have abandoned the Lord of the harvest and we are trying to reap the harvest ourselves. We are trying to reap the harvest ourselves and we have abandoned him. We don't involve him. We don't have any relationship with him. We don't seek his guidance. We don't talk to him about the harvest we, we, we are trying to reap the harvest on our own. But Jesus said, speak to the Lord of the harvest to do something about his harvest. Now listen, and I really pray 
that you understand what I'm talking about. Jesus is not the Lord of the harvest. Now, you must understand the Godhead very well. The God that we serve is a three-union God. Three in one. Three discrete personalities. Alright? As God. We don't have three gods. One, two, three gods that we are serving. There's one God, but there's a Godhead. There's a union. They are fused together, even though they are very distinct. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. By the same God. Just like water can be liquid water. And that same liquid water, if you put it on fire and subject it to very high temperatures, it rises up. It vaporizes as vapor. But I say water. Why? Because the vapor, if you condense it, it will come out to liquid water. And the liquid water, if you subject it to very low temperatures, very, very low temperatures, after some time, it hardens up. And becomes ice. But if you allow it to thaw, it will come back to liquid water. Water as liquid, as vapor, as ice, has the same chemical composition. H20. But iced water looks different from liquid water. And in fact, in some cases, the roles are different. For example, if you receive a blunt blow, all right, and it begins to swell, immediately the doctors will tell you that use iced water or block to put on it. What it does is that it it brings a, a severe cooling effect to the place and stops the bleeding and accumulation of the fluid. But if you, in that situation, if you use liquid water, it will help you. If you use vapor, it will help It will help you. Are you getting it? When you are very testy, very, very testy, very, very, very testy, okay, and then you see vapor, and you try to quench the vapor with your test, it may work, but it will take a long time. I can just say that. But if liquid water was brought, and especially if it was slightly ice, how many of you realize that you'd be so blessed? So even though ice water, liquid water, vapor are all water and the same, in their roles, there are differences. What am I talk, talking about? God the Father is the commander. He sits on the throne and then he gives the commands. God the Son is the one who implements the commands. And God the Holy Spirit is the power for the implementation. So, the government decides to build um, some roads in a certain district. The president, together with his cabinet, the father, they take the decision and then they ask the ministry of local government or highways or whatever, that you must make sure that it is done. They actually allocate money to them. Are you getting it? They intend now find a contractor. Now the contractor is the power. How many of you have realized that whether the road will be there or not, it depends on the contractor. 
God loved the world. He wants the world to be saved. Sent his son to be the savior. The one who has the power to help people to be saved today is the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not on earth. Jesus is not on earth. Why is Jesus? The father is in heaven. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the father. Who is on earth? The Holy Spirit. Who is on earth? The Holy Spirit. Why is he on earth? Because in John chapter 14 and verse 16, 17, Jesus said to the disciples, I'm going away. I have been with you. I've helped you. I've taught you many things. I've directed you. Now I must go back. But I want you to go and work for me. But you need a helper. So as I'm going, I'll send you another helper. He said, and I'll pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. That word comforter, paraclete, has many meanings. But the most important meaning is the word helper. Helper. And Jesus said, he'll come and be with you forever to help you. So, Jesus is in heaven. The Father is in heaven. It is the Holy Spirit who is on earth. And the Holy Spirit is on earth to help us to reap the harvest. And he is the one who has the power, who has the wisdom for the harvest. He is the boss. He is in charge. So when we leave him and we try to reap the harvest on our own, we can only fail. And this is the number one reason why many of us are not seeing increase and growth in our churches. Many of us pastors, church workers, shepherds, we have no knowledge of the Holy Spirit. We have no relationship with him. And therefore, he is not involved in the work that we are doing. But he is the one who orchestrated church growth in the early church. And who still orchestrates church growth today? Hallelujah. Now, the Holy Spirit was a helper to Jesus himself. When Jesus came for his earthly ministry, he spent 33 years on earth. 30 years out of that, he did no ministry. He taught nobody. He preached nobody. He healed nobody. He did no miracles. Why? Because he was waiting for the helper to come. Now, now this is very important. I'm talking about Jesus. When God, listen, when God became a man, he needed help to do the work of God just as any other man needs help to do the work of God. When Jesus walked the face of the earth, he was God but he was also man. And as a man doing the ministry, now listen to me, Jesus preached, taught, healed, did miracles, not because he was God, but because the Holy Spirit was with him. And that is why for 30 good years, he did no ministry until the Holy Spirit came upon him. Uh, Luke chapter 3, from verse 21, the Bible says that, and it came to pass when all men came to be baptized, Jesus himself also being baptized and praying, 
the heaven was opened and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. Which means that up until that time, the Holy Spirit had not come upon him. He walked as an ordinary man on earth. The Holy Spirit descends on him and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved son, indeed, I'm well pleased. From there, Jesus went into the desert. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. The Bible said that, and Jesus returned from Jordan and being full of the Holy Ghost, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, into the desert. Luke 4, 1. Where he fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights. After that, in Luke 4, 14, the Bible said that Jesus now returned in the power of the Holy Ghost. Now look at the progression. Look at the progression. He didn't have the Holy Spirit's presence with him. He received the Holy Spirit's presence. He now receives the power. And what happens? The Bible said immediately his fame went abroad in all that region. And then in Luke 4, 16, Jesus went to church. And when he went to church, then he made an announcement. He said, Luke 4, 18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. He has anointed me to preach. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because of, for he has anointed me to preach. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Are you getting that? Jesus was saying, brothers and sisters, I grew up in Nazareth. You, you all know my parents. I've been here with you for the past 30 years. But from this time going, I want you people to know that I'm able to preach. I'm able to heal. I'm able to perform miracles because the spirit of God has come upon me. Let's turn the scripture to the other side. So far, in my 30 years life, I have not preached, I have not healed, I have not brought deliverance to the captives, I have not opened blind eyes because the Spirit of the Lord God was not upon me. Jesus waited for the empowerment of the Spirit to start his ministry. And immediately after that, he went about preaching, teaching, healing. Matthew 4 17. The Bible said that, and Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of God. Has come. Matthew 9, 35. The Bible said that Jesus went about their villages and their uh, towns teaching in their synagogues, preaching about the kingdom, healing. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had come to empower him. Now, if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit's involvement and the Holy Spirit's influence in his ministry, then I want you to understand that you and I we can do nothing but to operate under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And it is because we are not doing that. That is why we are not experiencing what Jesus experienced. Hallelujah. The time came for Jesus to leave. He gathered his disciples. I hear you go home. He gathered his disciples. And said to them, go into the whole world and preach. He gave them the great commission. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Luke 24, 47. 
at one age. Go and preach. He gave it to them. Then he says something. Listen to this. He says something. In Luke 24, 49. Look at Luke 24, 49. He says something to them. He gave them the assignment, but he added something. And behold, I send, let's start from verse 47. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until, until ye be endued with power from a high. In other words, Jesus was saying, I'll give you the assignment. The assignment is very clear. Go and win the loss into the kingdom. But, but before you attempt it, wait, I am going to send you power. Just as he himself received the power to carry out the job of soul winning, alright, he instructed the disciples and said, wait until you have also received this power. How many of you understand that? Wait. Wait. Wait for what? Wait for the power to come. Wait for the helper to come. Wait. Because when this power comes, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he will give you power and you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Then, only then, can you become witnesses unto me. How many of you understand that? So Jesus himself depended on the help and the involvement and the empower of the Holy Spirit. And he told the disciples clearly, the Holy Spirit is in charge of the harvest. So even though I want you to go and reap the harvest, wait until he comes. Wait. Just as he waited. So wait. Wait. And truly, truly, they were obedient. They waited. They waited. And the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost was come, Acts chapter 2, they were all in one place with one accord praying. And suddenly, suddenly, the Holy Spirit came. And immediately the Holy Spirit came. They started building the church of Jesus Christ. And explosive church growth happened. Explosive church growth happened. There were only 120. At one crusade, 3,000. 3,000 were added. When they did the first miracle, Healing the layman who laid at the gate beautiful to the temple. That whole confusion brought people around to believe the gospel. 5,000 men also got saved out of that. After that, everywhere they went, many more people were added. What was happening? They were carrying out the assignment of preaching, teaching, winning the lost under the influence of the helper, the Holy Spirit. Amen. How many of you understand it now? Alright. How does the Holy Spirit actually help us to have supernatural growth? How does he actually do it? Number one. The Holy Spirit gathers people to hear the preaching of the gospel. The Holy Spirit gathers people. Now, the gospel is supposed to be preached to people. If there are no people, your gospel will be useless. When you organize a crusade, look, look at me. When you organize a crusade, you have your crusade team, your crusade equipment. On the day of the crusade, you mount at your crusade platform, your choir is ready, you arrange your chairs, okay? 
He is the one, the Holy Spirit is the one who brings in the people from everywhere to come and sit on those church and stand by so that you can preach to them. Therefore, your mistake is that you had an idea to have a crusade. You asked the choir to prepare. You brought in equipment. You got your message, but you did not speak to him about gathering the people. And that is why on the day of your crusade, you realize that you arranged hundred chairs, but only five people were sitting down. Why? Because you did not involve the Lord of the harvest. Amen? The Holy Spirit has several mechanisms that he uses to gather people. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. Now, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them clothing tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together. The 120 disciples were in the upper room, praying, waiting upon God. Multitudes of people were in Jerusalem, minding their own business. But when the Holy Spirit came, by a combination of mechanisms, the people gathered. The multitude came together. Now, one of the things that we see about the Holy Spirit is that he's described as the wind. A mighty rushing wind. One of the ways the Holy Spirit gathers people is by blowing them. Blowing them. Gathering them by his wind. Having to see that when a wind blows, when a wind blows, two things happen. Either it gathers things or it scatters things. When the Holy Spirit blows, he gathers. He gathers. The Holy Spirit gathers people for, for us to preach the gospel to them by blowing them, blowing his wind and gathering them. Now, how many of you get amazed? One of the things that amazes me is how people come to church. How people come to church. You don't call all of them on Sunday. Is that not so? The chairs are empty. But by a certain time, people have gathered. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. He sends his wind to gather them. In Numbers chapter 11 and verse 31, when the Israelites complained of lacking flesh, meat to eat, the Bible says that God sent his wind. He sent his wind. And there went forth a wind from the Lord. The Holy Spirit is the wind from the Lord. And there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea. They were in the desert. Listen, the sea was very far. But the wind of God brought quails from the sea and let them, the quails, fall by the camp. The quails came, they didn't just scatter anywhere. They scattered by where Israel was. Alright? As it were, a day's journey on this side and as it were, a day's journey on the other side ran about the camp. And as it were, two cubits high upon the face of the earth. Now, so if this was the camp of the Jews, God sent his wind to the sea. Now, those of us in Kumas, we can understand it better. God sent the wind to Accra, four hours away from here, and 
commanded the quails to come. But as they were coming, they should not fall down at Insawam or in Koko or any other place. But they should come and fall around SCI Bantama, the car park and all the surrounding areas. I see the Holy Spirit blowing the people into your church. Receive the wind of the Holy Spirit. May the wind of the Holy Spirit gather the people to your church. Wherever your church is, I see a gathering. I see the wind. I see the wind blowing the multitudes, the multitudes, the multitudes coming from the villages, coming from the cities, coming from the markets, coming from the towns, coming from the ghettos, coming from the highways, coming from the, the, the positive booths, coming from everywhere. from the sea and let them let them fall by the camp. It's the Holy Spirit that can blow the poor, the rich the old, the young the educated, the uneducated into your camp, your church that's what he does that's what he does, sit down so, listen, on the day of Pentecost, the people had filled Jerusalem, minding their own business, when the wind and the sound of the spirit hit the upper room. The Bible says, and when this was noised about, the people gathered. Can you imagine? People are gathering from everywhere. Is that not what a church is? A normal church is situated in a certain part of a town or a village or a city. And yet, people come from all corners. Who is able to do that? The Holy Spirit. He is the one who is able to command people to come from ballroom. Ahijah, all the other places. He's, he's able to go to their homes and command them that they should bypass every other place and come to your church. This is the person that we have avoided. And we are going about trying to gather, trying to gather, trying to gather. The, from where? From where? So he gathers people by his wind. He also gathers people by his sound, by speaking to people, commanding them in their hearts. When this was sound abroad, the people gathered. The Holy Spirit speaks to the hearts of people. Go to church. Go for this program. Rise up today. Wear your dress and go to church. Go to this particular church. He sounds into their ears. He sounds into their spirits. He sounds into their hearts. And gathers people. So they can hear the gospel. In Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 26, God says something. Isaiah 5 and verse 26. Isaiah 5 and verse 26. Look at it. He says, And he will lift up an ensign to the nations from far and will hiss unto them from the end of the earth. And behold, they shall come with speed swiftly. God is saying that our his to his is God said that he will his he will sound a voice and noise to the ends of the earth throughout your town throughout your village throughout your city are you getting that and he says when I do that look at that he said when I do that the people shall 
only with speed. Not only with speed. But strictly. In other words, double speed. When it comes to overspeeding your car, God will tell you that, slow down. But overspeeding of souls into the kingdom. I see God increasing the speed in your church. I see God increasing the speed. He said, I'll cause them to come or to gather with speed swiftly. Hey, look. How many pastors are here? That on Sunday, you have arranged the chairs. The service starts at 7.30. 7.30. At 8 o'clock, two people have come. You say, let us pray. You pray all the prayer, you shout. By the time you finish, another five people have come. You are supposed to preach at 8.30. And then you see people trooping in. What? Single numbers. Occasionally you are comfortable when you see two or three. But when the Holy Spirit is at work. And it's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to you. May you experience supernatural growth. May the Holy Spirit increase the speed of the people to run into your church. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it with my eyes. When you go to Dr. Cho's church, I spent the first few services. You have seven services. But the earlier ones, when they open the gates, when they open the gates, the place is 12,500. When they open the gates, in a matter of minutes, the place is filled. At the end of the service, they wait till everybody goes out. Nobody comes in. Everybody goes out. Then now, they open again. When they open, I'm telling you, it's only the Holy Spirit that can do that. He said, I will say to the people and they will gather. They will come with speed. Swift. Can, you, can you imagine combining speed with swiftness? When you depend on the Holy Spirit, that's what you will do. You just see the people coming. You see the people coming. Just coming. Coming eagerly. Most of our people, they don't come to church of eagerness. You come and stand by the, the, the door of the church and be receiving text messages. Spend another 20 minutes receiving a call. But the Holy Spirit is able to cause them to come with speed swiftly. May you experience it in the name of Jesus. Clap your hands for the Lord and you may be seated. Hallelujah. When the Holy Spirit is involved, another mechanism that he uses is by deploying reaper angels to gather people. Reaper angels to gather people. Jesus spoke about the parable of the wheat and tares in Matthew chapter 13. Let's look at it. Alright? Come to about um, maybe 14. Alright. From verse 24. Another parable put it forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man who sowed good seed in his seed, in his field. 
But when man slept, his enemy came and sowed tears among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth food, then appeared the tears also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then had it tears? He said unto them, An enemy had done this. When you are trying to sow in your church, Satan also tried to sow bad seeds. And the Bible said that when men slept, because a lot of us pastors and children will sleep. Yeah. But Jesus said, watch and play. So that you don't fall into temptation. And he said unto them, and enemy had done this, the servant said unto him, would thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together unto the harvest, and in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat unto my bay. Another parable, let's go to verse 38 now. Jump to verse 38. So Jesus explained the parable. He told them the parable. Alright? Now in verse 38, the disciples came and they said, explain it to us. So he said, Okay, go to verse 37 maybe. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. The harvest is the end of the world and the reapers. The Holy Spirit deploys special angels to help you in the harvest. Have you seen sometimes you are in the church? Somebody just appears in the church. You didn't witness to the person. I mean, you have not said anything. So you ask, uh, what did you, oh, I, I, I just thought I should come to this church. Reaper angels are at work. Reaper angels. You see, angels are ministering spirits. Angels are sent as our helpers. They don't preach the gospel, but they may have other ways of gathering people. So the Holy Spirit gathers people. I'm talking about how does the Holy Spirit help us in the harvest? The first thing is that He gathers the people so that we can speak to them the gospel. By sending forth His wind, by sending forth His sound, His voice into their hearts, and by deploying special reaper angels to gather the harvest. But we have abandoned him. We are trying to gather on our own. With our own strength. Yeah. But he says, look, if you depend on me, I can let the people come to your church with speed, swiftly. That's what Jesus said. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. He is the Lord of the harvest. He is the Lord. 
the Holy Spirit, the Lord of the harvest. So if we want to experience supernatural growth, we must learn to depend on Him. I think tomorrow I'll talk about who is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I tell you, if we can know Him, we can flow with Him, we can relate with Him, He will do what Jesus said He would do. He will be the Lord of the harvest. He will engineer growth in your church. If Jesus needed him, I want to submit to you that you need him more. If Peter, Paul, and all these apostles depended on him, you need to depend on him. Hallelujah. Now, after he has gathered the people, when you preach the gospel to them, he brings conviction. He brings conviction to the people. To the hearts of the people. So that is the second thing that he does. So he gathers them. And as we are preaching, he is the one that brings conviction. John chapter 16 and verse 7. John chapter 16 and verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Verse 8. And when he is come, he will reprove the well of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He does that. He does that. I tell you, you can preach to people a hundred times. If the Holy Spirit is not there to convict them of sin, you can't change them. As a matter of fact, not only does he reprove them of sin, he opens their heart for them to respond. The Holy Spirit is the one who opens the hearts of sinners to respond to the gospel. Look at, look at Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Alright? Verse 7. Are you enjoying the scriptures? After they were come to Messiah, they are said to go into Bethania, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Messiah came down to Trahas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed. Prayed him saying, come over to Macedonia and help, and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, using from trials, we came with a straight course to Samothracia and the next day to Neapolis. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which we started to the or the women who came there. Verse 14. Now watch this. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Titeria, which worship God, heard us. Heard us. Heard us do what? Heard us preaching the gospel. So people hear you preaching the gospel. But that is not enough. Whose heart? Whose heart? The Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. 
was preaching the gospel. See, when we start preaching the gospel, brothers and sisters, we need the Holy Spirit to open the hearts of people. Because many times the gospel does not enter. Why? Because their hearts have been blinded. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. If our gospel be hid, it is hid from them who are lost. Eh? Whose mind has been blinded by Satan. So that the gospel does not enter into them. The scripture said, faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When people receive the word into their heart, it will generate faith. And then they will believe. But often, when we preach the word, the way is like the seed that fell by the roadside. It's like the seed that fell on the rocky ground. It's like the seed that fell among tongues. They are not received. They don't do well. But when the Holy Spirit is with you and it's involved, when you are preaching people, it opens. The Bible says that whose heart, whose heart, whose heart, the Lord opened. Whose heart, the Lord opened. The Lord opened. It is the Holy Spirit, the Lord of the harvest duty to open the heart of sinners. It is one thing gathering them, it's another thing preaching to them, and it's another complete thing for the way to enter them. All this is done by the Holy Spirit. All this is done by the Holy Spirit. That is where the failure comes. You are preaching hard, but because you are not involving him, there's nobody there to open the heart of sinners to hear but the Holy Spirit opened her heart that she attended or she obeyed. She responded. She listened. And what happened to her? Verse 15. What happened to her? Verse 15. And when she was baptized in her household, she responded by believing. She got saved. She was baptized. She was so happy that she brought her whole family also to believe and to respond to the gospel. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. I mean, how many of you can understand what we are talking about tonight? I'm trying to show you how the Holy Spirit helps to bring the supernatural growth. He is the one who orchestrates it. Bishop, so when we leave him aside and we have left him tomorrow, we'll talk about who is he and how must we relate with him. Hallelujah. What do you think? Next one. Next one. The Holy Spirit brings forth revival and increase. He brings forth revival and increase. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 talks about times of refreshing from the presence of God. But look at Acts 11 21. Alright? Verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. The hand of the Lord. talks. Whenever you, you see the scripture talking about the hand of the Lord, it's talking about the power of God. And the Holy Spirit is the power of God. And the Bible is saying that the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. He brings revival. He brings revival. When the Holy Spirit is around, He brings revival. And causes people to come into the kingdom. 
What is his work? Are you gone? Huh? He brings revival and increase. Hallelujah. Next one. How does the Holy Spirit help us to reap the harvest? He gives us boldness to preach the gospel. He gives us boldness to preach the gospel. Now, do you remember Peter and the disciples? Seven weeks earlier, seven weeks earlier, alright, they had been so fearful that they had betrayed Christ. Peter sat before a little girl and denied Christ out of fear. This same Peter, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, and the people said, you people are drunk. He rose up and he preached the gospel. When they were arrested and put before the council, and they were told, do not preach in the name of Jesus Christ again. He said, well, it's up to you. If you want to take that decision. But they said, as for us, we cannot but to preach and to teach about the things that we are... Now, now, where did that boldness come from? Where did that boldness come from? Where did it come from? Peter and John were going into the temple at the hour of prayer. They see a man who had been paralyzed for years. In fact, that man even Jesus saw him and didn't heal him. Because Jesus used to enter. Because he didn't come to heal everybody. He healed as he felt the father leading him. But the man was sitting down there. Can you imagine that Peter, I'm talking about Peter and John, they see this man and they tell him, rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. Where did that boldness come from? Peter was at Joppa when one of the sisters, Dorcas, died. And they cleaned her and put her there. And the Bible says that because Joppa was close and they heard that Peter was there, they sent to go and call Peter. When they went, they told Peter, Sister Dorcas is dead and we have been asked to come and call you. To come and raise it up. And Peter followed them. That is boldness. How did that boldness come? That is the power of the Holy Spirit. May the Holy Spirit give you boldness. May the Holy Spirit give you boldness. May the Holy Spirit give you strange boldness. Many of you church members, you are ashamed to preach the gospel. You, you can't proclaim the gospel in the throttle. You can't. You are so ashamed. You are so timid. But when the Holy Spirit, the Lord of the harvest is with you, I see the spirit of boldness coming upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus. He gives us boldness. Yeah. He gives us boldness to preach the gospel. And that boldness comes from the Holy Spirit. And we need boldness in this our world that we are to preach. Hey, I tell you, because even the worldly system will try to intimidate you. But when you are full of the Holy Ghost, when you are full of the Holy Ghost, 
you preach the gospel with boldness. Clap your hands for the Lord, somebody. Hallelujah. How does the Holy Spirit actually help us to reap the harvest and to orchestrate supernatural growth? He does that by working very, very closely with us. By working very, very closely with us. Mark chapter 16 and verse 20. The Bible said that, and they went everywhere preaching the gospel. The Lord working with them. The Lord working with them. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word of signs follow. The Lord working with them. The Holy Spirit works very closely. If you are lying. Confirming their word with signs. The Holy Spirit is not a passive observer in the work that you are doing. He is the lead person. Oh, I really pray that God will grant you understanding tonight. I'm just trying to help you to understand what the Holy Spirit does. Reverend Charles, we are struggling. We are struggling. I think I know what to talk to you about tomorrow. The Holy Spirit. And how you can relate with Him. So that everything that I'm saying, you can experience it. Yeah. He works closely with us. When I say He works closely with us, how? He anoints us. He anoints us. He's the one who anoints us. Just as He anointed Jesus. He's the one who anoints us. The disciples were anointed several times. Acts 2 chapter chapter 4, they were anointed when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Acts chapter 4, do you remember when they they said they shouldn't preach in the name of Christ, the Bible said they went and prayed. And after that, the Holy Spirit came upon them again. And they preached with power and great grace was upon them. And multitudes were gathered into the kingdom. Not only does he anoint us. Listen to this. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit, listen to this. The Holy Spirit actually guides us to the harvest fields. The Holy Spirit shows us where where the harvest is actually, where the harvest is. Now, in Acts chapter 16, from verse 6, you can see that. How he guided them. He guides. Now, what program must you have in your church? Must you have a convention? Must you have a crusade? Must you have a, a prophetic prayer meeting? What must you do? You see, you know what we do? Now, what we do is that we look around and say, this church, this church, uh, okay, I didn't know that this church is having this program. Wow, I'll do something. I'll do something. But, but the scripture says, we have the same spirit, but different administration, different operation. The Holy Spirit deals with all of us differently. So they said, and when they have gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, 
and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Which means that they wanted to go and preach the word in Asia. They wanted. But the Holy Spirit said no. Hey, so it means that even where to go and preach and whom to preach to, you need his guidance. Yes, a few days ago we had a crusade at Abobloshi Market. This of who know Accra. I tell you, it's a very wild place. It's a slum with thousands of people. Since last year, around about August, September, I began to have a feeling in my heart. I began to have a feeling in my heart towards that place. These are very poor people. Very poor people neglected. I, I, I began to have a feeling. I said, let's start some area fellowship there. Let's start. Within about three to four months, we were having 150 people coming to church from there. They attend our local service. When their buses arrive, the church that fills up. And the, the warmth in my heart towards them has not left. And then I said, no. I think we should do more. We organized a crusade. There. We should come and see the people. And, and I, I feel that we should do more there. And I've been telling the pastors, I sense the Holy Spirit has opened a door. Has opened a door. A door. Where to go and preach. Now, let me ask you a question. That's your program that you're having. Who has you to do it? You have started having prophetic all night on Fridays. You have had it for six months. It's not working. Who has you to start it? Jesus said in John 5.19 The son can of his own do nothing except that which he sees the father do. Bishop, I don't know whether we understand the message. I'm trying to explain to you that Jesus said the Holy Spirit is the Lord. He's the boss of the harvest. And I'm trying to explain to you how he does it. So when you get on your own and you say that you are going to you are going to Asia. Come back to that scripture. Asia is not where he wants you to preach the gospel. Acts chapter 16 verse 6. Can a brother help us please very quick. Go down verse 7. After they were come to Messiah, they assayed or tried to go into Bethania. But the spirit suffered them not. The Spirit did not allow them. So I'm asking you, that program that you have introduced in your church, who has you to do it? So, oh, God, I was passing a certain church, I saw them doing it. I realized it's very powerful. So we are also going to do it. We are trying to go to Asia. We are trying to go to Bithynia. Now, verse 8. And they, passing by, Messia, came down to trials. And when they got to trials, Paul had a vision. He had a vision. Come to Macedonia. And look at verse 10. Now look at, look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. And, and after he had a vision, immediately, immediately, we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel to them. 
not Asia, not Bithynia, not Phrygia, Macedonia. And do you know the importance of this? Let us enjoy. Macedonia, that is Greece. They were preaching in Asia. God wanted to send the gospel to Europe. To Europe. He wanted to send the gospel to Europe. But they wanted to sleep in Asia. But the Bible said that wisdom is justified by her children. All the churches that were started in Asia, the greater of which is Ephesus. Ephesus is now Turkey. 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 Two weeks ago, my church member visited there. They were going on tours and they sent them to a church. They said that church existed some years ago. That church now has become a mosque. And they have preserved, they have tried to preserve how it used to be as a Christian church, half of it, so that people can come and see. But it's Europe. Was it not Europe that sent all the missionaries? It's not European missionaries who came to Ghana, came to Africa. God, who knows the beginning from the end, knew that the gospel was going to be more profitable in Europe than in Asia. Paul, rise up and go to Europe. He sends us to the harvest. He leads us. He leads us. He empowers us. He works with us. He will show you. Do this. Do this. Do this. Do this. Do this. In 2008, the bishop transferred me from Sakubono to Kolegono. In 2007, I'd been to Korea for the first time. I was very inspired for area fellowship work. Selwick. So when I came, we started in, in Sakumono, and the church just shot like this. So as I was going to uh, Kologono, I knew that that's what we were going to do. I knew. When we got there, 2008 April, after a couple of months, I taught it. But somehow, I didn't start there. Maybe I And then before my eyes, I saw the church finishing. How many of you have seen a church that is finishing before? How, how many of you that's okay to you? I mean, you can see that the church is actually finishing. Like that. I tell you, I'll go for ministry meetings, fellowship meetings. The whole choir, five people are sitting there. Prayer ministry, two people. I mean, the church was finishing. I started crying. To the law of the harvest. Jesus said, Pray ye the Lord of the harvest. I said, Lord, what should I do? What should I do? And I remember sitting on my chair in my study praying. And the Lord said, What is it that I inspired you to do? What is it? What is it? shown you to do. Go back and do the same things. Go back. I was thinking, what is it? Then I remembered. It's not area fellowships. I picked my 
phone and called one of my faithful lay pastors, Pastor Richard. I said, Pastor Richard, we are going back to your fellowships. This is about October, November 2008. Come 2009, I started teaching. What I called casting the vision. I started teaching on area fellowships. I taught it to the whole congregation. I said, we are going to do area fellowships. And we launched it in April 2009. Immediately. The finishing church started rising. It started. It just started. And by the grace of God, we have seen so much increase and growth. Why did it happen? The Lord of the harvest directed what to do. What to do? You see, the problem is what to do. And what to do? Listen to this. What to do can be given to you by the Lord of the harvest, by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because what to do is wisdom. You need wisdom. And in Isaiah chapter 11 verse 2, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord will be upon him. The spirit of wisdom. The spirit of understanding. The spirit of counsel. The spirit of might. The spirit of knowledge. The spirit of the fear of the Lord. Out of the seven dimensions of the spirit of God, five of them has gotten to do how, why, he is the spirit of wisdom. Wisdom answers the question, how? Understanding answers the question, why? What must you do so that your choir will work? What must you do so you can have a vibrant prayer ministry? What must you do? It's wisdom. Wisdom. So, so, so when, when they brought a live child to Solomon, Okay, and two mothers were saying, This is my child. At that time, he was not there when they were born. He was not there where they were laid. He was not there when the other one got killed. What was he supposed to do? At that time, what he needed was wisdom. And God had told him, What do you want? He said, Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. And God gave him wisdom. And by the supernatural wisdom of God. He knew what to do. What to do comes from the Holy Spirit. What programs? What messages to preach? What services to organize? That is his work. So the natural question is that, who are you? You are his vessel. You are his vessel. He uses you. When was the last time you saw a glass that you used to drink water. That you have put on a shelf. When was the last time you saw that empty glass walking to try and go and fill itself with water and bring it to you? The only time that glass moves from where it is is when the owner goes and picks it and fills it with water to drink. We are the glass. The Holy Spirit is the owner. Nobody has called us. Nobody has instructed us. We want to go and fill ourselves with water. Thinking that we know what is needed. We don't. 
the early disciples depended on him. I will share a lot of that with you tomorrow. They depended on, in fact, even when there was conflict in the church and they were taking decisions, they depended on him. So, he works with us closely. Hallelujah. And finally, let me give one more, then we'll close. How does the Holy Spirit actually orchestrate the church growth, the supernatural growth? How does he help us to reap the harvest? He does that by working miracles, signs and wonders. And through these signs and wonders, unbelievers have faith to receive the gospel. The life of Jesus Christ was full of signs and wonders. Amen? The life of Jesus Christ was full of signs and wonders. And the early church experienced signs and wonders. And those signs and wonders generated faith. They generated faith in the hearts of unbelievers. Look at Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Do you remember it was in Acts chapter 13 that Paul and Barnabas were separated by the Holy Spirit and sent forth. Pick it from about verse um, about verse 5. Alright? And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews and they had also done to their minister. And when they had gone through the aisle into Pamphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. He called them, come and preach to me. Then what happened? But Elimas, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the feet. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled the Holy Ghost. Filled of what? Filled of what? Not Paul. Not Paul. But Paul filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul, who was being controlled, influenced, under the influence, under the power of the Holy Ghost. Do you understand it? Set his eyes on him and said, Oh, full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, will thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind nor seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness. And he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. He had become blind. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed. When he saw what was done, what did he see? He saw the miracle. He saw the sign. He believed. The Holy Spirit helps to reap the harvest by bringing signs, wonders, miracles. That is why, listen, every one of you here should pray and ask.
also to work the miraculous. Without the miraculous, you are going to be a classroom teacher. Jesus not only preached, he not only taught, but he also healed and he wrought the miraculous. Why do you think people followed him? They followed him because of his word. They also followed him to come and get healed. And the Holy Spirit is in our lives to anoint us, not only to preach and to heal, but also to work signs and wonders and miracles and to heal the sick. So that unbelievers will see that and then they'll believe. And then they'll believe. What made him to believe? Then, the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed. Being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. That is why we need to involve the Holy Spirit. He is the worker of the miracles. He is the doer of the signs and wonders. And we need the signs and wonders in our ministry. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need it. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need to see. We need to flow in the prophetic. We need to flow in the word of wisdom. We need to flow in the gift of the descent of, of, of spirits. Hey. Sometimes the church is not growing because of the presence of some spirits in your church. I'm telling you. This year the Lord has shown me the devil three times. Yeah. And each time, each time he showed me something was going to happen. But because he showed me, I'll deal with it. It happens, but the effect is minimal. Three times. You have to see. You have to see. You have to know. You have to hear. You have to hear. You have to have dreams and visions. Because you see, this work that we are doing, if you are blind, it won't work. If you are blind, you are appoint the chief witch as your praise and worship leader. Oh yeah. Your worship leader can easily be full of demons. In Mark chapter 5, the madman of Gadara, when he saw Jesus, the Bible said that he ran and he worshipped him. But even though he worshipped Jesus, Jesus, the Bible said that he rebuked the evil spirits. Uh, this, not, this is not, evil spirits are trying to worship. When Peter tried to protect him and said, no, you are not going to die. He saw beyond Peter and saw the real person who was speaking. need to flow in the signs, the miracles, healing as a pastor to pray for your church members to be healed. Pray for them to see great things. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Without Him, you'll be dry. You'll be a classroom teacher always just explaining. Thank you for the explanation. We also want to see some power. But we have problems in our lives. And say, this is what the Lord is saying. This is what the Lord is saying. Yeah. 
They will say, what is prophetic, prophetic? It's also important. In fact, the Bible says that when you meet, when you meet, don't only speak in tongues, but speak in tongues and pray that you interpret so that the sinners that are there, when they see the Lord speaking about them, you have faith and glorify God. In Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 16, this same Acts chapter 16, that is where Paul and uh, Barnabas were arrested, put in prison. Do you remember that story? The angel of the Lord came to set them free. And then the jailer, he wanted to kill himself. He said, no, no, don't try. We are all here. When he saw what he had, what had happened, he asked, he said, men and brethren, what should I do that I'll be saved? You see, when, when, when unbelievers see the power of God in display, they'll believe. That is how the Holy Spirit helps us. That is why the bishop prays for the sick people and the crusades all the time. And when you pray for the sick and the sick are healed, the following time, more people come. Because there are more sick people and they have heard that there is somebody with power. May you flow in the power of the Holy Spirit. May you flow in the power of the Holy Spirit. The law of the harvest. Brothers and sisters, we cannot have supernatural church growth if the Holy Spirit does not help us. Tonight, I want you to know that Jesus said He will come and be with you forever. The Holy Spirit is with us. What we need to do is to allow Him to work with us. He is the law of the habits. If you depend on Him, if you allow Him to work with you, if you allow him to direct you, he will use you. He's the law of the harvest. Why did the church grow so much? It grew under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Listen, in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I'll build my church. I will build my church. Look at me, everybody, as I close. You cannot build a church. You don't have that ability. You cannot. I don't care how many principles, how many strategies you have. It is Jesus who builds his church. How does Jesus build his church? By his spirit. By his spirit. Tonight, I want you to go home. Deciding that from tonight, I'm going to depend on this Lord of the Harvest. Jesus said, Speak to the Lord of the Harvest. Speak to Him. Lift up your hands and begin to pray. I will never be believe you have been blessed by this message. We invite you to worship with us at the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Collegon. 
opposite the Kolebu main gate. Our service times are early rain service, 6.30 to 8.15 a.m. Love and Hope service, local languages services, from 7.30 to 9.30 a.m. Love and Faith service, from 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. Our Vibrant Youth Church is also at 9.30 a.m. to 12 noon. Be part of our midweek impartation service this and every Tuesday from 6.15 to 8.30 p.m. prompt. For further prayer and counseling and further inquiries, please call 0278-888-884 or 0543-289-289. The numbers again, 0278-888-884. Or 0543 289 289. God bless you. To glorify.